everyone and welcome to another special legion patreon episode from the friday nightmares uh, i am one third of your hosting team today mr smoke show crawford coming to you from sports creek michigan hamilton water down ontario canada <laughs> and with me is <laughs> australia always, don't forget uh, australia oh yes australia for our uh, but our uh, friends from down under that's right <laughs> and with me as always uh heather powell coming to you today from Waterdown, ontario canada and on this legion podcast episode we have a very special guest um this individual is part of the main show kill the cast he is i believe one of the original members of kill the cast i believe him and jerry started it he can talk more about that and he is the reason that i do podcasting i tell him this all the time I became friends with him through a horror movie group. I don't even remember which horror movie group it was, but he would write some funny shit on people's stupid posts. And I was like, this dude is jokes. And then when I, one day he shared a podcast and I was like, oh man, I should listen. And I just fell in love with the three gentlemen since then. So Jerry, Jay, and Kenneth, um, as you all know, if you listen to our feed, that uh, they run the show Kill the Cast. I think they're up to episode like I don't know, Jay. What are you at? Sixty-nine or seventy? No, I think we're closer to eighty and ninety. Eighty, ninety. I'll, have to, I'll have to look. Yeah, we should have looked at that before we came on, but you know what? That's fine. So I've already kind of introduced him, but this is Jay. Jay, thanks for being here today. I'm happy to be here. So Jay, how did you meet Jerry and get into creating the the blessing that is Kill the Cast? Um. So I actually met Jerry through the retro video game collecting community he ran a pretty popular page um, and i like the way he ran this page because he didn't allow sales so the page wasn't flooded he only allowed trades um because buying and selling is a huge part of collecting retro games so that you can get get them for cheaper um, but he didn't allow sales so it was never flooded he ran the page really well and so um we got to know each other through that page at one point i owned my own video game store um online for retro stuff uh, that only lasted for about a year. Um, I was able to do it without actually working for about a year, but then it got too hard. Um, but anyway, I, I talked to him privately to ask him if I was Ill, uh, there was any way I could advertise it because, and then I gave him the kind of rundown because I was trying to keep the same attitude that he had for the group with the store. And that's how we kind of got to know each other. And then um, we just interacted through Facebook off and on since then. Uh, one year, we were both doing the 31 Days of Halloween Challenge, where you watch a different horror movie every day um, for 31 days. I was trying to watch um, only movies I had never seen before. So 31 different movies I had never seen before. I've done this two different years, actually, successfully, where I've watched nothing but movies I've never seen. Um, nice. But I posted about how I was getting ready to watch Cannibal Holocaust, because after each movie, I'd give a tiny little paragraph size review. Uh, and I was getting ready to watch Cannibal Holocaust. I, he was like, oh, I definitely want to know what you think of that after you're done watching it. 
And uh, I gave my thoughts and he messaged me. He's like, hey, would you ever want to do a podcast about horror movies? I've kind of wanted to do one for a long time. And so we talked a little bit about it. We planned it out. We watched City of the Dead was our first first movie. It was a terrible episode. Um, definitely worth a laugh. If you, if you go and give it a listen now, we were just kind of stumbling our way through it. We didn't have a format down. He just kind of described the scenes in the movie and we were like, oh yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> I remember that episode too. From there. Um, and I want to say maybe even the next episode, um, he wanted to record something and I wasn't available. So he asked Kenneth to come on. And then it kind of went back and forth a couple of times until we just decided to just do all three of us. And, uh, and here we are now. And I still don't know what episode we're on. <laughs> well, I know your last episode you interviewed. Um, oh my God, David, I blanked on David the Howard Thornton. Thank you. Yeah, Art the Clown. Uh, from Terror. That was a great interview too. Right. Yeah, that was a fun episode. We've done a couple interviews, and actually, I get to take the credit for for, um, with the exception of the director of the Scarehouse, both the actors that we've interviewed are because I just reached out to them on Facebook and yeah, said, that's "Hey." Awesome. Would you ever want to just come on this really lame podcast that uh, no one's ever going to listen to and it's not going to help your career in any way? Well, I look at the numbers and I can tell you for a fact, the clown interview was episode 91. People do listen to your podcast quite a bit. And I was definitely one of them. I was hooked from the first episode I listened to. And I don't even remember which one it is anymore, but I loved all of them. And I thought you guys were so funny. And my favorite were the horror coliseums where you did. Yeah, those the are nightmare. definitely our bread and butter. Oh my I don't God. I think uh, many other people, many other podcasts are doing a format like that. So that's our, that's our thing. Yeah. And I, I was so happy to join you guys for the Friday, the 13th five and nightmare on Elm yeah. Street five one. That was a lot of fun. The best, uh, the best Friday or nightmare on Elm street movie that yeah. Scott got to cover <laughs> right? right up there with Freddy's dead. Um, no, Freddy's dead is the worst one. Oh, Freddy's dead's, you know, Looney Tunes classics, right? It there. is Looney Tunes. And that's why I don't like it. Um, literally bugs bunny it literally <laughs> it, you're right it was like they watched the looney tunes and they're like, oh fuck we should just do a movie like this <laughs> you know gremlins 2 already did this why don't we Shut do up. we're again? not talking about gremlins on this podcast <laughs> we're always right. talking about gremlins Wait, on this podcast sakes. i have can we have oh, one i have podcast. i have a gizmo he's not yeah. he's in a box somewhere oh, no, jay why <laughs> no jay. oh my god no scott's gonna act out for the rest of the podcast um <laughs> But I, the first time I ever podcast was with you guys. And I can tell you this. I was, I was fucking terrified. I was so scared. I was so nervous that I was going to say something stupid. And I was going to sound stupid. No, I got you guys covered on that one. I'm the one who says dumb stuff. I can't remember (laughs) characters' names. Like you're going to see it. I'm going to fumble through this because I, I'm so bad with names. Even if I just finished watching a movie, unless I've watched the movie either multiple times or they're returning characters, like in a franchise, such a bad I, I literally just watched all the saw movies before i saw spiral besides john kramer i probably couldn't tell you another person's full name makes I'm me there. feel better neither could scott or i there's the one doctor that cut off his foot there's oh, dr Lawrence. the other doctor from the last one and then there's the the lady doctor and like it's too many doctors amanda amanda doctors. i don't even know amanda's last name but amanda i, I remember her name yeah, Heather is the one for our show that is good at remembering names because I'm just going, yeah, you know, that one character wearing that shirt. And yep. I'm, I'm terrible with names when it comes to movies. Unless, I just like you the said, Wikipedia. You just don't <laughs> but, see it. But you make it sound so much smarter than I do. I just kind of fumble I my way through it. it. <laughs> fake it till you life. make it. Hashtag my life and my podcasting career. Um, so, Jay, honestly, thank you so much for being here. You're such an inspiration to me. Um, one of my favorite human beings in this world for just uh-huh. who you are as a person. I know I'm making him awkward, but uh, it's <laughs> true. 
So I'm so happy that we can work with you for this very, spe- very special um, edition of Friday Nightmares that we do for the Legion Podcast Network. So I'll introduce the topic and then I'll pass it back to Scotty and Scotty will, I guess, establish the way that we'll go around and talk about our films. What we're going to be doing are top uncomfortable films. Now, these are not, oh my God, what's most uncomfortable in the horror genre? This is what we find personally uncomfortable to sit through for whatever reason. So the list may not be what you're expecting, but that's fine. We're talking about what bothers us personally. Right, Scotty? Exactly. And I will just say, prepping for this show, Scotty went down a very dark rabbit hole. (laughs) I saw your guys' watches as you were posting about them. I was like, oh man, you're just aiming to make yourself depressed with those movies. Oh, and it certainly did, Jay. Yeah, and it was the worst. (laughs) The worst for me was uh, on the the Wednesday that I started really diving into it. It was uh, right after I got my second COVID shot. So I was already kind of feeling like crap. And I'm going, you know what will make me feel even better? Let's watch these three movies back to back to back. That was a good idea. See, the government <laughs> was tracking you, but then they saw the kind of fucking shit you were watching and they were like, oh. Like, yeah, let's just leave this individual alone. He's let's already disturbed enough. <laughs> we don't we don't want to fuck with him. So I guess, Scotty, do you want to start and then we'll pass it to Jay and then to me? Uh, yep. So yeah, what I'm going to do is uh, right right off the bat, we'll uh, give our honorable mentions. So I got five honorable mentions. So I will like mention them, maybe say something about them, but not like really go into detail. We'll wait for our top five to really go into the details. But um, yeah, so the I'm pulling up my list right now. So yeah, the five honorable mentions that I wanted to bring up were the strange thing about the Johnsons, which was oh, a boy. That's half, a- yeah, a half hour short from Ari Aster. Man, this film. You know, I saw that on YouTube before I even knew who he was. And then oh, really? later someone was like, have you ever seen Ari Aster's short film? I'm like, no. And then they show us like, oh yeah, I've watched that. I had no idea that was him. When I saw Hereditary, when I saw Hereditary, I had no idea that that was the something strange about the Johnsons, dude. Yeah, I, I think it was right after I watched Hereditary, I heard about this one and I'm going, oh, and it's on YouTube. Perfect, I'll watch it. And yeah, it's fucked up. Because yeah, it's about a... <laughs> <laughs> it's basically this uh i'll give a quick synopsis but yeah this father walks in on his son masturbating and it's the father's like hey, hey you know this is normal and he walks away what he didn't realize was that his son was masturbating to a picture of his own father and then as then it goes jumps forward in time and the son pretty much becomes this abusive asshole to his dad and just sexually harasses his father and sexually abuses his father and then it just kind of like shows what happens in the family dynamic when things start getting revealed and it's really just fucked up for and it like in a half hour it just punches you in the gut it's yeah something that i watched i'm going yeah i gotta talk about this because this one is just because i really liked it (laughs) yeah yeah, it was my fantasy (laughs) well i will say though for being ari aster really well filmed well acted Of of course like but yeah, that topic. It was just like, wow. I you know, Aster says that. that movie's a dark comedy. Ooh, let's <laughs> have an interesting comedy twist to it. I guess I'll have to watch it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't consider it a comedy, but that's how he said he. That's how he tells it. Next movie night, I'm, when my friends come over. Oh yes, that will be the warm up movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll dry you up quicker than. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to watch a feel-good film. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the next one I'm going to bring up is uh, The Girl Next Door from 2007, which was a based off of a Jack Ketchum novel. And it's pretty much about this uh, uh, young, like, pretty girl next door that ends up getting kidnapped by this mother and her sons and gets basically 
just abused verbally and treated like shit. And well, actually, I'm sorry, I'm getting confused, but no, she lives with this mother and the, her sons. Yeah, like her, her, parents, her parents died, died. and she got adopted. It's like her distant aunt or something like that. Yeah, and she's supposed to be like, and her aunt's just like, oh, you're a whore and a harlot. And we're going to show you what a whore, <laughs> like treat you like treat you like a whore so they put her in the freaking locker in the basement and the mother just sits there and watches as the boys just do awful shit to her while she and basically torture her and sexually abuse her and rape her it's just awful and uh but the next one i'm going to talk about is dead girl from 2008 and this is pretty much about these uh two kids that find a naked female zombie locked up in this abandoned asylum and well they one of them decides hey, I'm going to use this for my own personal sex slave. Yeah. And uh, it goes pretty gross directions and just makes you just sit there and just go, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Um, and then my other honorable mention, a Serbian film, 2010. I, I at least got to give it a shout out because, you know, what it shows is pretty vile. Though it, and it's, but it's a very well-made film. Not going to really get into details about that because most people know about that film. Uh, the other one, though, or my last honorable mention is Irreversible from 2002. Because once again, this is a well-made film and well-acted and everything. But holy fuck, there is just one uncomfortably long, real feeling rape scene. And it is probably one of the hardest things I've had to sit through. Um, but yeah, that is the five honorable mentions I'm going to bring to the table and kind of give you an idea of where I'm going with my list. <laughs> so we all know if Serbian film is not on Scott's list. Yeah. How much Jeffrey it's going to get. Though I didn't think Serbian film was this. I think it's, I think we talked about this before. It's too well known in pop culture that you yeah. know what's going to happen. And um, shocking, you know, I get it. It's shock theater. But um, yeah, definitely not as vile as some other things that are out there. No. Um, but uh, should we uh, pass this on over to our guest? And We sure should. And I'll say, uh, what, what honorable mentions do you have, Jay? Uh, so just a couple. Uh, Serbian film is one of them. Uh, it didn't didn't really mess me up emotionally because it's so over the top. It was easy to disassociate from what was going on. It's yeah. not really realistic, um, but it's definitely fucked up and gross. And I really, I own it. I own the, the unrated Blu-ray um that unearthed films just put out but it's i literally own it for collecting purposes um and i'll probably never actually watch it again <laughs> right i, I watched um, it once and said that'll probably be enough <laughs> uh human centipede 2 which in my yes. opinion is worse than one and three yep. uh, three is more geared towards comedy and one is more of a slow burn um that kind of builds up to the inevitable ending um but in that one there's a scene at least in the unrated version which is the only way i've watched it uh, where a lady breaks free from the the centipede mm. or millipede in this case because he like tries to like quadruple the amount of people um and she gives birth and as she's running away the baby's like being dragged by the umbilical cord and it ends up underneath uh the gas pedal and while trying to escape she steps on the gas pedal and it crushes the fetus and that was i had to stop mm. the movie for a minute <laughs> when that first happened yeah i wish uh, i could have i was I like what the fuck <laughs> Like I expected shitting in people's mouths, like from the first one, but this guy just like literally killed a newborn baby on screen. They didn't cut away. Usually no. when they're killing kids or babies, you're cutting away, like you imply it, but this showed it straight up. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I wish I could have taken a break, but I went with friends to see it in the theater. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like when it first came out, my buddies took me to go see it and I was just that was mortified. In the, that was in the theatrical. I could have sworn it was part of the unrated cut. Um, um, the unrated but... cut, like, uh, yeah, because that was part of the theatrical. And then the unrated cut had like a, 
I f- there are some other just even like more fucked up scenes like yeah. just longer drawn out stuff but yeah i seen um, that scene that on one, big screen i'm like oh my uh, god you know it's just all my honorable mentions are pretty much the super well-known stuff sallow um that's when i watched once and again i own the criteria i don't know why criterion <laughs> thought that needed a super Scott special the edition exact same I, yeah i said um, the exact same thing and uh it, it cracks me up that it within the film collecting the horror community and just the movie watching community in general because movies are my thing i fucking love movies um that for whatever reason this movie is seen as like elevated and artsy and deserving a criterion and people will collect it but then the like serbian film that's the worst thing ever made and you're a pedophile if you watch it i'm like what the what you, how is there movies about teens here? being shit and pissed on and abused and you want to own it because criterion put it out a version but this movie is below you for some reason it's because it's, it's criteria. It's a weird hypocritical uh, opinion, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's I totally... think you're 100% right, Jay. Solo <laughs> is a much more vile, violent, like the. And it's more realistic, too. You know, we should probably said there's spoilers. We're going to talk about oh, yeah. spoilers, <laughs> everyone. So I don't know. If you're listening to this and you're surprised, we're talking about spoilers. But in Serbian film, the whole baby rape scene, they don't even show it. Not that I wanted to see it. Let's make something clear here. It's not like I'm disappointed <laughs> that that wasn't in the film. Shucks. But I was expecting a lot. Like, I'm like, all right, you hear a baby crying. That's shitty. Yeah, like, you know what's implied is happening. But Solo is artistic? Like, okay. Like, and Serbian film's not? Like, I I agree with you, Jay. I think yeah. people are just being very... And they were literally made for the same, almost the same message. Yeah. That yes. was supposed to be a message about class and how the rich yep. literally shit on the poor. And Serbian films about how the Serbian government treats its people. Like they're yep. just almost the same exact message. Yep. Just yeah. Just in different it, ways. It's um, just because it's released. That I only ever need to watch once and probably will never watch again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it's just because it's released on Criterion that you got yep. the people going, oh, it's art. No, it's like, no, just because it's yep. Criterion release doesn't mean it's art. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much it for my honorable mentions. The other stuff is a lot more personal. And so since... It's personal to me. It's harder to have honorable mentions because there's not very much stuff that affected me the way that some of these movies did. Yep, that's understandable. Now I'll say I'm very curious to see what your top five will be. Um, Heather, how about you? Uh, so Cannibal Holocaust 1980, simply because I know what happened to the animals in that oh, film. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I thought um, about that. You know, it's not like the movie itself. It's the fact that they butchered a turtle. And they shot it on really- screen. You know what I mean? Like, there's just shit like that that I find hard to get through. Lake Mongo haunted me from 2008. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a really well-made documentary. And at the end where they show the images throughout the film, gave me the willies. Definitely creeped me out a little bit. Um, I also mentioned the Serbian film for the obvious reason. Uh, the scenes that are in it, uh, everywhere from newborn porn to anal rape to math, uh, beheading during sex you know it's it's very much a very shocking film yeah um i would watch it if someone was doing a podcast on it but it's definitely not a film that i would want to ever show anybody no for any other reason you know unless a podcast wanted it's good to uh, family thing. film you know yeah, absolutely <laughs> i'm thinking christmas next year yeah. um, you know after you're done opening <laughs> presents you're just drinking your cocoa and your jammies <laughs> come on kids you know around the fire we're gonna watch serbian film right? so what you're saying is i should uh watch this on one of my date nights absolutely, yes. absolutely. <laughs> i mean i think yes. you're pretty much guaranteed to get laid at the end of that movie oh yeah i don't absolutely. know how you cannot right <laughs> um and then finally and this is thanks to jerry herring is suicide club 2001 i still need um, to see that movie i don't know why you haven't it's been like two years but because I, I haven't been able to find a copy i'm sure jerry can get you well, a copy. He, he, he keeps saying he's gonna 
going to get me a copy, but then I've, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> here you are. I had, yeah. when we reviewed it for Kill the Cast, I had to rent it from Amazon. Okay, it is on Amazon. I, I tried finding it. I couldn't find it the last time I well, looked. Well, I mean, this was years, a couple of years ago, three or okay. four at least. Um, but yeah, I tried to pirate it and all the pirated versions were like really terrible DVD rips. And so I was mm. like, fuck it. I'm just going to pay the four bucks to rent it because I want to see it in a good quality. I was going to my original, a lot of the times when we record something and it's a movie I don't own, I'll just buy the movie since right. I collect movies anyway. I'm like, yeah, I'll throw that in the collection. Um, I could not find a reasonably priced copy of this. The pirated copies were terrible. So uh, I went with Amazon Digital and rented it for 48 nice. hours. Nice. I, I find the co- the concept of suicide difficult for me, which is why this movie made my list. Um, I think it's one of the better movies that have ever been made. And I really encourage people to watch it. It's, it's a tough watch, but I would watch it more than once just because of the quality of the film. Yeah, but I remember when you guys all covered this and yeah, fantastic, fantastic review that really made me want to see it. So I'm hoping I can get a chance to watch this at some point. Um, and yeah, I, I did not expect to think, I didn't even think about Suicide Club being on your list. So like on your honorable mentions that, yeah, that's a nice surprise. Yeah. And probably cause I like it. Like yeah. I, it's awkward. Like it's tough for me to sit through, but it's also a very good movie. Right. So. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I guess we can just kind of go back around now and, yeah, uh, so we'll do our fives first. You'll start. Yep. Awesome. All right. So kind of, sort of in a way cheated in a bit, uh, but not really. Um, my number five is Funny Games, but I put 1997 and 2007 because the original and the remake are pretty much the exact same movie scene for scene, except for like one little tiny thing. And I would recommend either one to be for this top five. Um, but it's pretty much about this uh, well-off family that is uh, going to their like vacation home, like where it's like pretty much next to a nice golf course and all this stuff. And it's like this big gated community. They show up and they see their neighbors outside and they go and, you know, wave and like talk to them from the road. And they notice some other people there with them. And they're like, oh, they're acting kind of strange. That's odd. All right. Well, let's just get to our house. They get to the house. And well, two of the guys that were over with their neighbors decides to walk over and they're just like all dressed up in these golf shirts and it's bright, beautiful day out. And you, they just start doing these weird things that are just like kind of annoying the family and like just like asking for eggs and when they get the eggs they go to take them next door and they drop them and go oh can i get a couple more eggs oh i dropped those can i get a couple more eggs? just constantly doing things like this just to kind of just just pick at the family and piss them off even more and then it literally starts escalating more and more and more so the games escalate yep that's literally what they're doing is they're just doing this as a game and these two gentlemen just do some messed up shit to this family like uh because it's mother mother father and a like 10 year old 12 year old son and that they pretty much hold them hostage in their house and just start playing these weird games with them like oh let's put a bag over the son's head and see how long he can breathe for and blah 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 and then they release him and they're laughing about it and like they're constantly calling each other different names just to constantly keep the viewer and the family confused on Mm. who they really are and uh well that's actually really smart for an antagonist <laughs> yeah and like and it's kind of uh breaking they break the fourth wall too because they know that we as an audience are watching this so they'll, they'll look at the screen and go so are you amused and like they'll get back to doing what they're doing and stuff like that so it's very interesting but the reason i make call this one that's on my list is because they get to a point 
where they get a hunting rifle and they decide to play eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And you don't even see what happens, but one of the guys gets up to go make a sandwich and you're watching him make a sandwich and you hear the eeny, meeny, miny, mo game going in the background and you hear the gun go off and you just start hearing the parents screaming and just like completely distraught. And then it just pans back over and the sun is dead, blood everywhere. And the guys are like, all right, well, that was a fun game. And they get up and leave. And the parents are just stuck there sitting, staring at their dead son. And it just focuses on that scene with no one moving or reacting Mm. for about eight, I would say four minutes. And you're just sitting there uncomfortably just watching the scene as a TV's playing and blood spray. And it's, and it's just extremely uncomfortable. Just And it hit me hard when I watched this probably 15 years ago, and I never was able to get that image out of my head. So I had to, of course, buy it and rewatch it a of couple course. of times since then. Because <laughs> it's such a You're well- like, God, I'm so upset. Fucking, you got me DVD. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those movies that's like, I, that scene makes me uncomfortable, but the movie is so good. Yeah. And it's worth rewatch, kind of like Suicide Club for you. Yep, absolutely. Like, and, yeah. Just, and that was just that scene. But yeah, this movie is incredible. And I recommend people watch it. Just know that there is this scene that is just so uncomfortable and awful to watch. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, that is my number five funny games, 1997 or 2007, whichever one you want to watch. Um, but we'll hand it over to Jay. Jay, what is your number five? You know, I didn't really like funny games. I wanted <gasps> to. I love home invasion movies, like one of my favorite subgenres, and I just, it didn't hit me the way that I, that I expected it to. Wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that is fair. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll, maybe I'll do from a, a rewatch uh, later, but I just, I was like, okay. Like I wasn't upset that I watched it, but I just have no desire to own it or watch it again. That is completely fair. All right. So my number five is misery. Really? <laughs> nice. um, yeah. Nice. Uh, listen, so. The very first time that I witnessed the leg breaking scene, which is pretty detailed <laughs> for yep. those of you who haven't seen it or haven't watched it in a while, um, I was like five. I remember this vid- I have a, I've, without getting too much detail, I have a hard time remembering a lot of my childhood. This day I remember very vividly, which is why this is number five. So I was at my table with my mom and the girl who was my babysitter. I can't remember why she was over while my mom was home, but whatever. I was doing like a puzzle or some sort of craft and we had cartoons on. They changed it because I was doing my craft, whatever the fuck I was doing. Um, And my head was away from the TV. I heard the noise, turned around and watched this lady break this guy's legs, very detailed. And I just, I lost it. I mean, it's like, ah, turn that off immediately. What is going on? Why am I seeing this? And the fact that I still remember it now means that it, it's definitely stuck with me. Um, so, th- I mean, the movie's fine. I can watch it just fine. But that particular scene, the fact that I saw it when I was so young and then my mom like sneakily put it because she had put it on and then I turned around. I was like, no, this is, turn that off. I don't want, I don't want that to be on the TV. And, you know, I was five, not like I had any command over the TV. Um, but they put it back on and when they put it back on, it was on the late breaking scene oh. and I just, it, it destroyed me. I was like, ah, <laughs> terrible. And even to this day, um, I can watch the absolute most violent slashers, all the saw movies. I can watch action movies. Like the night comes for us where they're just like super violent. And you know, the guy's like chopping people's arms off really quickly. Any slow bone breaking that's slow, like not the grab your wrist, jam your elbow upwards and break your arm 
in a kung fu movie breaking that's fine but any kind of slow breaking like when someone has somebody's arm and they're bending it slowly uh it just happened in captain in the captain falcon uh, i can't jesus christ falcon and the winter soldier it just happened when he broke captain the the fake captain america's arm it was just slow like he held on to and he's like drop the shield and the guy was like no so they broke his arm and it was super freaking slow i was like oh god it always makes me cringe um home alone <laughs> when gets the guy to me, steps on the nail and it's super slow like that that kind mm-hmm. of slow stuff is it can be a little cringy and it's probably because i saw the lady break the dude's legs in misery when i was like five <laughs> or when it's slow you feel like it could actually happen yeah it's, it's right it's a little bit more realistic yeah. it's drawn out you, do, you have right. more time to dwell on it and so it's sitting with you when someone yep. in the middle of a martial arts fight breaks somebody's legs it's quick it's snap your legs broken and they go punch the next guy and you're like okay that's done but well, your yeah, brain doesn't is, have time to register and process yeah, exactly. it, right? <laughs> right? And yeah. So this, ugh, that that's always stuck with me. And now, anytime slow slow violence happens, it's it's hard for me. That I I can uh, see, especially being that young of an age, because like mm-hmm. doing something like that, like you you can feel it, especially mm-hmm. when films show it like that in a slow like vicious way. Absolutely. But yeah, that is a great pick actually, because I didn't even think about that. And yeah, that because that scene still makes me cringe when I watch that movie. And it's such a well-made movie. Uh, Heather, how about you? Uh, well, the movie I'm going to bring up has already been talked about. Uh, Irre- Irreversible from 2002. Uh, nice. the, French, uh, the French like to do fucked up shit. And uh, this is a very well-filmed movie. I think it's definitely something you need to watch a couple of times to get. Because for those of you who haven't seen it, it starts, you know, technically at the end of the movie is the beginning. And you go back to the beginning. Yeah, and the um, and, and I, I will give a caveat because it really made me nauseous. But the camera work yes. at the very beginning, the way it was going, like was really nauseating. I was getting some Blair Witch feed like flashbacks. Yeah, of just like the shaky cam work, not the actual movie. Um, and I think yes, the the rape scene in this is and uh, similar to what Jay was talking about when we see pain happen slowly. This was not a sensationalized sexual assault. This was a sexual assault that uh, occurs, you know, yeah. often. And it it was very intimate. The camera being down on the ground, facing up towards the two actors. And a movie always gets to me when I have to remind myself that they're actors. Yeah. And that this is, a, this is a plot. She's not actually being anally raped. This is, this is a movie. And... I'm sure I'm not sure if either one of you remember, but in the far background, you see somebody come around the corner. Yep. And they leave, which is what would happen. Yeah. You know, I, unless there was somebody who had the confidence or the lack of fear to get involved. I get involved. Uh, I couldn't even. I, if I, was I scared, absolutely I could, think a hundred percent that you or Scott would or me. But I think, and I have, I've been in situations where I have intervened in arguments in public between couples, um, whether that's just calling the police or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I think that movie was very honest. And I think the character development of it was really good. I think that as you went backwards, you got to know all of the characters a little bit more, see what led to the decisions that led to everything occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, the realisticness of the conversation that occurs after she's found between, you know, this is what's going to happen to this dude. He's going to get away with it. And I, I thought it was a very real and honest movie that the French can only do. Yeah. Um, so that's why I gave it the number five spot. Is that yeah. Gaspar Noé? Yeah, Gaspar Noé. Yeah, yeah, the guy that did Climax. You know, I've never seen, I know about it, and I love Monica Bellucci, but I've never seen Irreversible. It's it's a good it's a, movie, it's but it's It's a good tough. movie. It's well made. It's just, it's obviously like, 
it's just, I think it's confusing. I'll be honest. Like that first 15 minutes, you're like, okay, what's going on? Because the camera work is so all over the place. And it's, you know, at the tail end of basically the revenge part of what's happening. Uh, Arrow right. just put out a, um, well, not just put out, but they put out a special edition of that um, that shows the movie in chronological order. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. So there's two different cuts of it. There's the, the, I, I can't remember. They gave it a, a funny, clever, punny name. Like it was like irreversible, the reversed edition or something like that. And it's, it's mm. the whole movie in chronological order instead of how he originally filmed it. Um, hmm. So I was, I was seen curious there. to pick that up just to see it, but you know, arrow arrows releases can be expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they can. Right. But yeah, I've seen that Blu-ray release of it, and I was just like, I, I, that's one reason it encouraged me to watch this movie finally, because if Arrow's grabbing it, this movie's got something, and, I had to, and I've heard many, like, tales about this film. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, that is a very good movie, but yeah, I, I can see why it's on the list, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's uh, back to me at my number four. And uh, this one, uh, I just watched it last year, and it is still fresh in my freaking head. And that is The Poughkeepsie Tapes from 2007. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. That's one it, of my favorite found footage movies. It Great is. Found footage film. Yeah, it's amazing. But dear God, this one, I'm watching it, and I'm going, wait, is this like a real documentary? Like, because mm -hmm. it just felt real with everything that they were showing. And like... You know, I could have pretty much pretty much made this top five, basically like women being abused. And that would have been like my list easily. No problem. But I, you know, I kind of changed it up a little bit. But with this one, yeah, the serial killer is basically kidnapping women, killing them. But then there is one that he decides to keep in his little torture dungeon that he just continuously torments over and over and over again until he basically breaks her. And then, you know, they, the authorities find her and she, and she's basically like looking for him. Like, where's my master? Where's he at? Like, and just scared that he's gone because she doesn't know anything else at this point. Yeah. And then when you find out, like, I'd say then three quarters of the way through the film that she ends up committing suicide because she can't live without him. Like it just, I felt so awful. And like I said, this, this movie felt so real to me that I literally got on Google after I watched it to find out if this was based off of a real killer that did this. And like the director says it is, but everything else that I've read is not. But yeah, this one just hit me very freaking hard. And yeah, it had to be on a, my list. That's a, that's a rough watch because it's, this is, I think that is a movie that is a perfect example of how to do good found footage. First, yes. the reason we're seeing the footage makes sense, which is a lot of problems with the, with the found footage movies. They'll mm -hmm. find clever ways to film it um chronicle i don't know if either of you have ever seen chronicle that's a good example no. yep i've I seen love, it a long time ago i love chronicles chronicles a um sci-fi superhero-ish thriller i wouldn't really call it a horror movie um but some kids find a, basically an alien thing and it gives them all psychic powers and it's all filmed through found footage either a kid recording himself with a camera or people on their phones and so it's cut from all of these different sources, but it doesn't make sense that we as the viewer would be watching it because right. of how many different sources it comes from. So like the end, the ending fight is phenomenal. I love the way it's, I actually would recommend either of you guys check this out, um, but it mixes footage from people's phones and hospital security cam cameras and like traffic cameras and stuff like that. It just doesn't make any sense that we would have this collection of footage <laughs> um, yeah. to see these events. 
but the Poughkeepsie tapes make sense. The guy filmed everything he did. The cops found mm-hmm. it and they're, they're stringing it together for us. So that makes sense. And I love that because it doesn't always happen. Um, but the way that it's shot makes it look like a serial killer took a handy cam and filmed his actions. And it, it, it definitely gets rough because it's not graphic. It's not like Serbian film where it's overly in your face graphic. A lot of stuff is implied, but yeah, like the scene where he like gets the little girl out of her out of her yard, that's like so realistic. It's it's sickening. It's absolutely absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. that's why when I watched that film, like I told you, Heather, I'm like, I don't know if I recommend this one to you when I first watched it. Cause I'm like, this is tough. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard watch, but it I, I enjoy watch. that one. It's got enough good about it that I would rewatch it. Um, fun yeah. story about that. That one had a weird life cycle. It, uh, it was originally going to come out in theaters. It didn't. It became a DirecTV uh, exclusive for a long time. Then it got wow. shelved. Like it was on DirecTV's uh, video on demand services. Then it got shelved for a long time. And then they finally released the, the DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> wow, that's I um, did not know that. Yeah, I because uh, I remember seeing a trailer for it forever ago. And then I never heard anything from it. I was like, where did this movie ever go? And it's because it was a DirecTV exclusive and then it got shelved. Like whoever owns the rights to it just put it away forever. <laughs> wow. And then and eventually it came out on Blu-ray and started hitting like Netflix or wherever, whatever streaming services it hit. Yeah. And I'm glad I finally decided to watch it because it was one of those, like I was just never a big fan of found footage. So I always avoided a lot of the found footage stuff. And then when we were prepping for our found footage episodes, I was going like head it like head first, just watching all sorts of found footage. And I found that one and I was like, all right, give this one a watch. And yeah, that one hit me. Probably should not have been watching this one while I was at work, but that's where I watched it. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies while I'm at work too. And sometimes I'm like, ugh. Uh, but yeah. That's if a, anyone walks in my office, they would really think I'm a fucked up. I'd be like, want to see my home videos? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, give yeah. me your files. no i agree i think um i think the plug keeps the capes are excellent found footage an example of what found footage should be i agree with everything jay said yeah Um, and if you want to hear more about what jay has to say please listen to the kill the cast uh, (laughs) show with jay and kenneth and jerry you can hear more fact dropping like that so um Um, sorry go ahead yeah i was just gonna say but yep that is uh, my number four the book keeps tapes from 2007 um, so yeah, I guess we'll uh, hand it on over to Jay. What's your number okay. four? This is a more recent movie and a more recent watch, but it is similar to Misery in there that there's just one specific scene that really got under my skin, um, which is funny because this is a comedy movie. It's a horror comedy. So the movie is Little Monsters, not the one with Fred Savage. It is the really? one with, um, whose actress I can't remember, but she's uh, in From everything us. and she's fantastic. Um, what is her name? Pia Malongo? Yeah. Yeah, like that. That, yeah, yeah, that girl. Either way, the movie's fantastic. It's hilarious all the way through. There's some really funny lines because it's a zombie movie. Kids go to this um, this fun park, and like this this kid entertainer is there, and a zombie outbreak happens, and she's like trying to protect the, these kids. Um, and this guy is kind of like a, a, a deadbeat uncle is there with his nephew because he's trying to prove that he's not a deadbeat because he's about to get kicked out of his his sister's house. Um, is there and the whole movie is hilarious there's one line where the cops uh, not the cops sorry the army is is getting ready to geared up to fight the zombies I'm like oh, zombies again what do we got uh, runners or walkers and they're talking about if they're the fast ones or the slow ones and it's it's hilarious that they're referencing stuff like that but there's one part in this movie where one of the main kids the kids the guy's nephew um, is having an allergic reaction to something that the guy fed him 
Oh yeah. And the yeah. movie gets real serious real mm-hmm. quickly <laughs> in mm-hmm. this scene. And he doesn't know how to use the EpiPen and he's responsible for this kid now not being able to breathe. And there's just something about this entire sequence that really upset me. Um, the kid was in real danger. His acting was phenomenal because I if, like, if you had showed me this in any other context, like here's a video of a kid having an anaphylactic shock, I would believe you. Um, the guy didn't know what he was doing and I could see, you could see the stress in his eyes. His acting was phenomenal. And I just, one of my really big irrational fears is accidentally hurting a child to the point where they die. And not like I would get mad and choke them. I'm not that kind of person, no. but I have a hard time holding newborns because I'm afraid if I move their neck wrong, I could like, I just, I can't, it's something in my head. It's an irrational fear, but it's there. And that's kind of what I got from this scene. You didn't know, like, it's not a sequel or anything. So you had no idea what the rules of the movie were. Um, like, maybe they decide they're going to kill a kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. which direction they're going to go. Um, yep. And so I was really, really worried for this kid. And I felt really, really, I really empathized with the uncle who, like, he's literally trying his best to take care of this kid. He feeds him something he shouldn't have because he wasn't paying attention. Then he didn't know how to use the kid's medicine. And he was going to be responsible for his kid's death. He was fine in the end. But I had to pause the movie and I kind of cried and sobbed a little bit. And then I kind of called my wife and I was like, I don't know why this bothered me so much, but this movie has been hilarious up to this point. And it just really, really bothered me. And that scene is just absolutely really hard for me to watch for those reasons. You know, Jay, when you said the movie, I knew the exact scene you were talking about because I also found that scene extremely stressful and real. And I think that's what it it comes down to, right? It's that real feeling of this kid can't breathe. And this is probably what it would look like. Yep. Right. That was yeah. that's it exactly. Right. <laughs> and you really didn't hilarious. know because comedies can change their footing on you. You can be yeah. watching a movie that you think is hilarious, and then all of a sudden it gets super fucking dark. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had no idea which way they were going, and right. it just it hit me real hard that scene. Yeah, and that I was gonna say because I like Heather knows this, and I think I might have even brought it on the podcast, but I was not a big fan of that movie. But I do have to say that scene did like hit me in the freaking feels like. That like that scene alone like was enough for me to like give it like you know a seven out of ten like with that and like some of the other stuff that happened. But yeah, that scene. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see why people wouldn't like it, but it goes from being like this, I'm gonna run over a field of zombies with a tractor hilariousness to like this like oh my god, this kid could die right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like that. That is definitely like a tone change that I did not expect, especially from absolutely. that film. But yeah, that is a great choice. Um, absolutely. Heather, how about you? What is your number four? So my number four, we've already talked about it, but it is Solo, also known as 120 Days of Sodom, also known as a series of short stories from the Marquis de Sade. Um, I did some research on it to try to establish uh, the inspirations behind it a little bit. I understand that there's supposed to be political meaning to this, but I also think that's also a cover for the Marquis de Sade and what some of that's what he stood for um, and some of the things that he was into. And I think this this film is all about torture from the beginning to the end. It's all about imprisonment. You know, the, it's broken into a four series movie or a four uh, act movie. And it has this weird storytelling, which could be argued as the only artistic piece of it throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, but there's the presentation that you're going to be tortured and that there's nothing that you can do about it. There's the sexual abuse, which is challenging to sit through, but it was the 25 minutes of shit eating that I found the hardest <laughs> yes. to sit through. 
And so Not much too so. appetizing. <laughs> yes. Um, so much so uh, Scott and both Brandon Orlick know that I didn't want to watch hem- Human Centipede because I didn't want to watch people eat shit. And they said, there's no way you're going to be able to make it through Solo. And if they hadn't said those words to me, I would have shut Solo off. But I kept it going simply because I wanted to prove that I could make it through Solo. Uh, the the detail of the shit eating in this. Like, it's yeah. not just they eat one piece of shit. Like it's full out fucking formal dinners in like wedding dresses with shit. Yeah. And it's just pissing in people's mouths. And, you know... If consenting adults want to engage in these kind of behaviors, that's what consenting adults do. The struggle here is that these are teenagers or children that are being forced to it. And of course, some very violent deaths, sexual deaths at the end. Uh, I feel like this film was made for shock value and that's fine. You know, I understand that there is a political message here, but I also think this movie was, there was no reason to make this into a film unless you wanted to shock people, which is fine. You know, we all make things to shock people. So, but it was upsetting. The shit eating scene and the torturing of kids, I, that definitely doesn't, uh, doesn't rub me the right way. And, um, you know, and from 1975, I can say the acting was good, the, the direction was good, the filming was good. It's a well-made film. It's just not a film that I have any care to revisit anytime soon. Nope. And that, uh, I was like, great choice, because that is uh, my number three. Oh, look at that, huh? Yeah. because <laughs> uh, But you love the shit eating. That was the part that yes, you enjoyed was, the most. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, mm, manja, manja, indeed. <laughs> manja, manja. <laughs> but uh now, I agree with everything you said, like just the fact that, you know, this is pretty much just the Marquis de Sade's like weird sexual fantasies written out in a book is already highly disturbing and uncomfortable enough to see it all played out on the screen. And like, yeah, the shit eating was just gross and got to me. That didn't make me uncomfortable. What just what made me uncomfortable is just the fact that all these were teenagers that were kidnapped from their homes to be used for these rich assholes, personal pleasure, seduct, uh, sodomites, basically. And it's just awful, like, awful in every way possible. And I will never rewatch this film again. And if it's for a podcast, I won't rewatch it. I will read the Wikipedia and go, yep, there, that's as much as you, well, you get from me. you don't need to rewatch it. No, this, this film is going to be stuck with me for the rest of my life. It's just vile and like I can see why it's a well-made movie. Still don't understand why it's Criterion. Never will. But yeah, this would uh, be everything that you said is the exact same reasons why it is my number three. All right, Jay, what's your number three? All right. My number three is a movie that we actually talked about on Kill the Cast. And the only reason I saw it was because Jerry's sadistic ass wanted to do it for Kill the Cast. I have a feeling Uh, I know what it is. Cannibal from 2006. It's a German movie. Uh, it is based on the real life case of, and I might butcher his name, uh, Arwen Muse, I think um, is how you say that. Um, but uh, it is a movie about two guys who found them, who found each other on a on a cannibal message board. One wanted to be the the ET, and one wanted to be the eater, um, and so they agreed to meet. Uh, it's it's pretty graphic. Um, the fact that it is that they got pretty much everything that happens is what happened in real life. And that fact makes it a lot harder, um, which is why uh, Girl Next Door is is hard to watch because you know that it's based, the version we got is based on the book, but the book itself is based yes. on a real case. And the real case has a lot of stuff that was even worse than what was in the book. Yep, and I so actually watched that, videos on that afterwards. Of, this piece of art came from something that really happened, even though the two were consenting in the case of Cannibal, um, just makes it worse. Um, there's 
usually over the top graphic violence doesn't bother me as i said earlier um but there's a scene where he's like trying to to bite and then later cut the guy's dick off and it's so detailed and again slow and it's just it, it it's really rough it's a really hard watch um there's not really anything i would call entertaining in it <laughs> mm -hmm. um it's just it's difficult it's well made for what it is and it's just it's such a hard watch. Uh, and the fact that, that Jerry made us watch it, um, he was like, well, yeah, the only reason he, he didn't want to watch it again, he just thought it would make a good episode because it generated a lot of conversation. Um, so if you want some in-depth thoughts on that and our thoughts on whether or not we would ever eat people if it was legal and, <laughs> and okay to do so are there as well. Um, it's a I good episode. I remember All three of that us one. said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so graphic and there's very little dialogue in it. So it's, it's all music and tone and the way they set the shots up that kind of set, set the scenes for the, for the movie. Um, and that part's really well done. I can appreciate the, the artisticness behind that kind of stuff, but just the scenes that are shot, knowing it's a real thing that happened, knowing that the details are all pretty accurate. Uh, really gives it that extra that extra oomph of ugh, to it. <laughs> yeah, this is one that I was actually trying to find for prep for this show, but I was not having any luck trying to find it. I found Cannibal from like 2014, 2012, 2015, like all different ones, just not the one that the German Cannibal film. So I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, this is one I've heard a lot about. And I remember listening to you guys' review of this one going, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this is what I kind of have expected I would be hearing on your list today. <laughs> yep. So I got, uh, thanks. Shout out to Jerry for making me watch that movie. That doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all that it was Jerry. <laughs> um, Heather, how about you? What is your number three? Oh, so my number three is Megan is Missing from 2011. Uh, Scott recommended this one to me and said, I think you're going to be uncomfortable. And Scott was right. Uh, Scott definitely knows what makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I, the difficult thing of this film is it's not the best acted film and it's not the best found footage film, but the graphic abuse that occurs of the young woman at the end of this film and her being slowly buried, begging for her life and trying to convince her predator to let her live. It was the hardest five minutes I ever had to fucking sit through. I was like, is this scene done yet? Is this scene done yet? Okay, it's going to be done now, right? Nope, nope. It just kept going and going and it dragged it out purposely to make you uncomfortable. It was, it was purposely showing you the torture and the pain that this young lady was experiencing by being buried alive and left for dead. And I, I give a lot of credit to the filmmakers for that. I think it really did try to discuss the dangers of online interactions that mm -hmm. can occur with young people. Um, and, you know, there's also a, a scene where a young lady talks about sexual abuse at 10 years old from a camp counselor and yeah. her first experience giving a blowjob. And it's very difficult to listen to a child talk about what that experience was. Yeah, because these were um, 13 and 14 year old. Well, girls. she was 10 when she gave the blowjob. Right. But I'm just saying like right? but the movie itself is following yeah. as 13, 14 year old. So it's like yeah. the whole thing. So it's it's very raw dialogue. And I, you know, as we do these lists, you know, you begin to learn what bothers you 
Uh, I don't like children being hurt in movies. I, I don't like them being sexually abused in movies. And I'm not trying to say anything. It's good people that doesn't bother them. Like, that's fine. But obviously for me, it's a real tough area. And this movie, I will not rewatch again. I have zero need to rewatch it. Or if I do, I'll just skip that last 20 minutes. I don't need yeah. to see that. I get it. I understand. Excellent, really well acted by all the actors involved, especially the young lady. Um, but yeah, very uncomfortable. Yep. Um, and I'm kind of glad you brought like brought this one up right when you did, because I was having a hard time with what my number two would be, because I had two films in this spot, and this was one of them. So I'm going to switch it to the other one. But all right. Um, but I do have to agree that yeah, this film I. I felt just awful watching this because it's just, it's realistic. And mm-hmm. there was even one scene that like left an image in me and it's after Megan disappears and her friend is going back to the bridge and finds her teddy underneath and holding it. I kept noticing something in the background. I'm going, is that leaves? No, it was the person that was the online presence standing there watching her. And so I knew right then, like this girl's fucked. There's this, she's going to get caught at some point. And sure enough, like I because I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me because like the quality I was watching might, might not have been the best. So this kind of little digitized. So I was like, oh, could have been leaves. But I swear there's some human form in that background. And yeah, sure as shit. They go back to that like scene where like at the end of the movie and they even zoom in. And, yep, it is that person there just watching. And that like all the other shit in this film already made me uncomfortable but that right there i don't know why it just gave me this just deep sense of dread Mm -hmm. and it just affected me profoundly like and i've heard people say like this would be some like a kind of a hard thing to do but something to make people make teenagers watch at school just because like just to show the dangers and i can see where they're coming from getting a release from parents to show this film in school yeah i was gonna say i can see where they're coming from but i don't think that would be i i I understand i just don't get a release i only had i remember one instance of a a movie that we were watching as a class needing a release um and it was rosewood i don't know if either of you have seen this Mm -mm. no uh it's an older it's an older movie i mean it was came out when I was in high school, but we, we wanted to go see it. And there's, there's one rape scene in it um, that's not too graphic and there is violence and it's, uh, but it's basically about a, a black family where after um, slaves had been freed and, but, you know, still in the height of racism. Um, and it's just, it's just about them. We watched it for, for probably a hist- history class or something like that, but that, that movie needed a release and they described as like, there's one, there's one sex scene in it and it's, it's full of, of violence and, and racism. It's a good movie. Uh, if I remember correctly, you guys should check it out. For uh, sure. Yeah, I'll have to look into that one. Yeah, I never even heard of yeah, that. That's the only, that's the only time I remember a movie that we watched in school needing a release. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't think my school ever showed anything like that, but I was from like a little country podunk town that didn't show much. <laughs> um, but yeah, since you did choose Megan is, Megan is Missing, I will scratch that off my list and put the other one that I was struggling on where I was wanting to have it. So this one is called Aftermath Genesis, and it is another half hour short, but is directed by Nacho Cerda. So I believe it is a Spanish film. And the only reason I say I believe it is is because this is why this film makes me uncomfortable. There is not a single bit of dialogue through the entire half hour. And it is about this autopsy uh, mortician, yeah, this mortician that is doing an autopsy on a on a body, and he starts fondling this dead body. And then he notices there is a woman dead body, like, right next to it. So he goes over to it and basically starts caressing it and... Mm-hmm 
just kind of sexually using like using it for his own pleasure cuts him cuts the body open and starts doing things to the wounds and it is just very sick and gross but the reason it makes me uncomfortable and i think this is what i'm starting to notice about myself with films that make me uncomfortable is this long drawn out silence of just watching the scene with no other noise going on like it is just extremely uncomfortable to me to just sit here and watch this for a full on half hour. Um, and yeah, this is just something that I watched years ago and never in my life wanted to rewatch this and probably never will again because of this because of the scenes in this. But yeah, I don't recommend this one to many people because the movie <laughs> itself is just boring. But at the same time, like that scene, like that half hour is literally just that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, no, <laughs> but I don't recommend it because yeah, it's not a great film, but at the same time, it did what it was supposed to do, I think, which is make me feel completely uncomfortable. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, that is my number two. And that is from 1994. I forgot to mention the year. But uh, Jay, what is your number two? Was I supposed to write down the years for my uh, I, did, I did for me, but. <laughs> All right. So my number two, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a cheat because it's not a horror movie in their traditional sense as there's no there's no overarching villain um, chasing anybody or anything like that. And it's not graphic in any way. Uh, but it is one that that definitely stuck with me. Uh, and so I decided to throw it on there. Uh, this movie is called Trust. Uh, the way it's written out is trust and then followed by an underscore, like as if you were typing a username online. Um, it's uh, Clive Owen is probably the biggest actor in it. Oh, wow. And it is similar to Megan is Missing, um, which I've actually never seen. <laughs> Um, in that it is about a underage girl uh, getting tricked by someone online and she ends up getting uh, getting raped. The entire movie is about the aftermath of that. You see the oh. parents struggling with their failure to protect their child. You see the child struggling with trying to return to normalcy. You see their interactions with the cops and the cops being like, there's nothing we can do. We can't find this guy. They didn't leave any evidence and you're kind of just SOL and have to deal with the trauma. Um, and it's, it's a hard watch. Me and <laughs> me and my wife watched it, um, because we like Clive Owen a lot. <laughs> we had no idea. Like it was just a drama. Like we were like, whatever, but the acting, the story, um, the emotions displayed are all so powerful that it just sits with you. You don't have to see the act, you know, the act took place and seeing this family all struggle it with it individually. And as a family is just, it's a real hard watch. <laughs> um, the end of the movie is a clip from the perpetrator's cam, cam like like a camera cam to cam because he likes to record himself, I guess, um, going to meet another girl. And that's how the movie ends. Oh, and it's just, oh, God damn. I didn't, I just like, I didn't even want to touch each other after that. Like we just felt dirty watching this movie. Um, and again, it's not graphic in any way. You don't see really anything. It's just, you empathize a lot with these characters. You can feel the emotion. It's well acted and well written. And it just feels like how somebody who dealt with this would be would be responding to it. And it's a, it's a real life situation that happens way more than it should. Yeah. Um, and it showed exactly what families have, are going through when that kind of stuff happens. Wow. wow. Yeah, that sounds very difficult to watch. And sometimes dramas are harder than horror films because yeah. they really get into the emotion. And, and these are all like, we keep going back to the things that has been the hardest for us is stuff that you're like, this is real. Yeah. Like this, this gives you the real emotion. So thanks for bringing that one to the table, Jay. 
yeah this is one i'm gonna have to look into because like that's also another thing you don't really see like a lot of films cover is the aftermath of something like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. like there's very few yeah yeah it was it's rough for sure yeah that is a very good pick uh heather what is your number two so number two for me is another french film martyrs from 2008 oh i fucking nice. love martyrs uh, uh excellently made film the special <laughs> effects in this film are out of this world uh it's particularly one scene where a woman has been filleted uh there's also some very good special effects with someone that's had uh, metal plates implanted into their head uh very good kill scenes but very raw uh really addresses the pain that comes with child abuse and sexual abuse at times i felt like i was watching a snuff film i had to kind of remind myself these are actors this this was a film where irreversible i had to do it a little bit but this was a film where i had to be like these are actors this isn't real I'm watching actors because there's a, a very vicious beating scene that goes on. Yeah. And it was hard for me. It was very hard. I will give the French credit because they don't move away when it's uncomfortable. They don't shy away from hard topics. And this was remade uh, by an American Oh, the company, remake is so terrible. Which has like a 1.6 rating on Letterboxd. So I, I I'm usually a big fan of remakes. I, I have no problem with remakes and adaptations. Nostalgia doesn't affect me the way it affects other people. But the American remake of Martyrs just misses the point entirely. I would and they don't it. even, like, even if they had missed the point but kept all the really awesome effects and gore, uh, I think it would have been better. But they just, they missed the mark on every level on that movie. That's what I've heard. And I, that's why I've not bothered with watching it because I just heard the same thing. I think it's very hard to remake French films, Yeah. to be honest. I just think that French films and the French have an ability to really pull out difficult and challenging issues and disturbing things and put them in front of you in a way that are like, well, here you fucking go. Like, <laughs> you want to fucking see this? You're going to fucking see this. And I think this film is incredible. Will I rewatch it? Um, yeah, if I had to for a podcast. And that's not an insult to the film. The film is a five out of five film. But it's just a very, very hard watch personally for me. Yeah, the the, the beating, the beating montage mm-hmm. was the hardest part for me. Yeah, um, same. It was, I was pretty okay with. Yeah, because I had a feeling this one was going to be on your list. I just was not sure where. Mm-hmm. And I think I may now know your number one, but I am not sure. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens there. Because I was wondering where a couple of these films were going to place on your list. So. <laughs> All right, so my number one film. Who boy, this is Gremlins. one. Yep, <laughs> made me so uncomfortable. It's but I traumatizing. Love it. <laughs> that old lady. Yeah, right, Mrs. Diggle. <laughs> Damn her. Um, but uh, my number one film is called Family Portrait: A Trilogy of America, and it was from 2003. This is a three film and like a three an anthology that only has three stories in it. But there is one story in particular that, once again, I watched long freaking time ago and has stuck with me ever since. And I had to buy it because I wanted to rewatch it for the show to see if I remembered everything correctly. And that short story is called Cutting Moments. And once again, this also, I, I think, like I said, I found what makes me uncomfortable. It's just the lack of dialogue and music. Because pretty much this is about a suburban family, mother, mother, hus- uh, husband, and a son. 
son's maybe six, seven years old. Well, you can tell that the father is getting disinterested in his wife more and more, and then eventually starts showing more attention to his son. And Oof. you just start getting ideas that something is going on at night when he's not in bed with the wife and his wife figures it out. So I think at this point she is given up and like doesn't know what to do. So she gets all dressed up and puts on makeup and everything. And he's watching, the, the husband's watching a game. So she comes out to just kind of entice him because she looks all beautiful and pretty. He doesn't even look at her, like doesn't even give her any attention. So she walks away and she starts cutting off her lips starts basically using a scrub pad to scrub her cutoff lips and basically just starts literally mutilating herself and comes back out and stands in front of him and he finally looks up and something that he did that she did to herself like mutilating him turned him on and he gets up takes her to the bedroom and they start having sex and at the same time, like he is mutilating her, her more with garden shears, cutting off her breasts. Jesus Christ. Oh man. And God, then, this even hard you describing it. Yeah. And then <laughs> I feel like we should have a disclaimer. <laughs> and you can tell while he's doing this, like he is like feeling awful and ends up cutting off his own dick with the garden shears. Oh my God. And they fall over bleeding to death. <laughs> but the scene that haunts me is while all this is going on in the bedroom, it pans back out to the little boy just sitting in the front yard playing like, and it's just silent. You see the kid playing and just like completely disinterested. And it is something that I've seen a long time ago. And it fucking haunted me. Cause like I said, no dialogue. I think there, you might hear like them say each other's names like once or twice, but this is just visual and there's like no auditory anything. And it is just haunted me since I've seen it. And it is, yeah, so like, once again, a well-made short film, but dear God, is it the one of the most uncomfortable things I have ever sat through. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, my number one, the uh, family portrait. Oh my God, it's my America. new number one, just from your description. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cutting Moments is just, yeah, tough, tough, tough little story. Uh, so uh, yeah, I will pass it on to Jay. What is your number one, my friend? Uh, sorry, I'm getting distracted looking up this movie. It's <laughs> like I'm watching it tonight. Uh, they, uh, probably not tonight, but I was. I, I'm definitely curious. Yeah, you can uh, find it on Amazon for like three or four bucks. It's I think. on Tubby for free. Mm, really? Wow. Yep. So I, uh, I'll probably give it a watch at some point. Oh God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, my number one um, is Hereditary. Now, oh, I, have nice. to, I have to explain why, because um, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie, enough that I could easily do an entire episode on just this movie. Uh, but I went and saw this movie, um, and it affected me on such an emotional level that afterwards, I met my wife for lunch, and I was describing some of the things to her. I just started weeping. Um, I can absolutely understand why people who a either haven't been in a similar situation and I'm not talking being stalked by a weird satanic cult. Uh, I'm talking more about the family drama side, because if you take all out all the cult stuff, uh, it's really just about a family drama, uh, dealing with mental health issues and grieving from loss and, uh, all that stuff, which is why it hit me so hard. Uh, my family in real life is really fucked up. I have a, a laundry list of mental health issues, uh, bipolar, 
uh, ADHD, depression, borderline personality disorder. Uh, both my parents are fucked up. My sister's fucked up. Um, and so all of the family stuff hit really, really, really close to home. Um, I felt the acting in this movie was absolutely phenomenal. The dinner scene where Tony Collette's character, saying this is where I can't remember anybody's name except for Charlie. Um, Tony Collette's character, the mom, uh, gets up and is shouting about how they can't just sit down and have a dinner. Uh, I've had nights like that happen. <laughs> uh, and we weren't being possessed by a satanic cult. Um, so it just, it stuck with me really hard. And then you throw in the paranormal stuff and it just felt extra um, yeah. on top of everything. Um, I've seen people talk about this movie and be like, it was hilarious. Like I, I didn't scare me at all. I found it funny. And I feel like these people have a hard time empathizing because like, so scenes like the kid waking up in class and screaming, I could see how if you're, if you're not into the movie, like if it's boring you or you're just not connecting with anybody, how you would find something like that hilarious. Like it's, right. it's you know, it's a funny pitch. It's not his normal voice. But I can tell you, as someone who has night terrors, the way he screams is exactly how you scream when something is absolutely fucking with your head and you wake up thinking you're about to be dead. That is, yeah. it is on point. Uh, the mom crying after she finds her, like that oh whole scene after, after, after the head gets taken off, which totally took me by surprise. I mean, I thought something was going to happen. No idea that's what it was going to be. No. But him coming home, just leaving the body in the car, going up and lying in bed and not falling asleep, and the camera staying on him while you hear the mom get up and go downstairs and find the body, it's just rough. It's so raw and filled with, you can feel all the emotions. I thought all of the acting in this movie was phenomenal. And what sucks about how hard this movie is to watch for me is that it is a movie that gets better on rewatches. Yes, the paranormal stuff has so much stuff hidden in the background of this movie that you just catch more and more. It's, it's very close to Get Out. I really, really like Get Out because every time I watch that movie, I catch something else that I didn't catch the, the last time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and I feel the same about Hereditary, but it's such a hard emotional mm -hmm. watch for me. Um, I was pretty much silent when I left the theater. Um, there are some things that, that brought some tears tears while I was watching it. But after afterwards, after it, it had been about an hour or so, and I was eating and talking to my wife about why it was so hard. I just started sobbing. And it's the emotions left from that movie haven't ever really left me. And it's just, if, if you have, if, if you're into it enough to connect with any of the characters and you have a good amount of empathy, this movie will could, could easily destroy you on an emotional level. Um, everything that she had to go through is just, it's ridiculous. And I... Uh, I don't think any other movie has ever affected me emotionally like that movie has because of how close to home the non-paranormal story stuff hit. Yeah, I gotta say too, because uh, Heather has heard my story about this, but like I also went and seen this opening night at theaters and I got done watching this film. I went out to my car and I drove to a gas station right down the road, bought a pack of smokes. And this is after I switched over to vaping and have quit smoking for almost two years. I bought a pack of smokes and then just sat there in my car for like a half hour smoking cigarette after cigarette just because oh, of how much this unnerved me. Yeah. Like I was just, I, I had to sit there and process everything I had watched. Like it is the most, uh, most recent horror film that has literally shook me to my core. Yep. Like, and I don't have a lot of like family issue connections like that, 
but I can relate because I know a lot of friends that have dealt with something like this, that have experienced something along these lines. And like, I just, I was, yeah, shook to the core. And this is to this day, one of my all time favorite films from the last decade. And it's because of this, because of how impactful this film was. Yeah. So that is an amazing number one pick. Absolutely. And um, an amazing film yeah. that shows that horror yeah. movies can yeah. have good acting too. Yeah. Midsummer was really good too. And yeah. the opening was kind of hard. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's a girl committing suicide, but also killing her family at the same time. Um, but that one, I didn't, I, that one has different themes and it's about different things that they, I loved it. It just didn't hit me as hard. Um, luckily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That one, that one pretty much hit me almost equally as hard just because that one I, I could relate to a lot more. That's fair. But like at the same time, it equally, it, but the, like both of them were like on the same level to me because of just how, right. that's why I look forward to anything Ari Aster does moving forward. Cause he's yep. just incredible what both. he does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, that is an excellent number one. And yeah, I'm happy to hear that it is on the list. Uh, Heather, what is your number one? I am. So, well, you know. Um, so my number one is from Woman in Horror Film Festival. Yep. Okay. It's a short film. It is 14 minutes in length. The director is Mia Kate Russell and the movie is called Maggie May. And uh, this is the hardest film I've ever had to watch. I will never watch it again. And it's not because it's not a good short story. It's an excellent short story. Um, but the so synopsis is a two sisters are estranged and their mother dies and they come back for a funeral. And the one sister has had two newborn twins and she's staying with the other sister who seems to be very despondent about the mother dying, not really reacting um kind of seeing that she left the mother's body sitting there for a couple of days didn't do anything about it and the one sister with the two twins hurts herself and is unable to care for the babies and you watch uh, a slow decline of the babies and the and the mother Ooh. and yeah. it is a the fucking hardest thing i've ever had to sit for um there is a scene where they find the babies they don't show the babies but you don't need to see them. No. Um, and, you know, I, I really thought when we started this, there's no way this little 14 minute short film from a woman in horror film festival is going to come up on top. I'm watching fucking Serbian film solo. You know, I'm making his missing martyrs. Like I'm going, I'm going, you know, all out with these hard watches while keepsy tapes. Like, you know, I really tried to push myself to my limits of what I thought I could handle. And it all came back to this 14 minute short. Um, excellent. I think this director was great. I think the writing was great. The acting was great. So for a 14 minute film to leave that kind of impact, I, I think that says something about the future of the director as well as the writer. Uh, it's just something that I would not watch again. But other short films from this series were excellent. The Woman in Horror yeah. uh, Film Festival was actually very, very good. And I think that was on Shutter last year. Is yeah, how like, I watched it. Yeah, because you and I watched it, like, I think the same day. Like, you watched yeah. it first and you told me about this specific story. Yeah. And yeah, the, like, this story, just so hard to watch. It's hard. And yeah, it was incredibly difficult to watch. And yeah. I, like I said, I wasn't sure where exactly it was going to be on your list, but like once we got to your number two, I'm going, okay, yep, I know exactly what it is then. And I was surprised, you know, I really thought that one of the, and not to say that these other films aren't challenging, no. but to get that much emotion in 14 minutes, it was like going on a, the scariest roller coaster of your life. 
and you're yeah, well, shaking when you get afterwards and you think about it for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, and if, so. and if you noticed, like I had a lot of short films like mentioned throughout mine. And I yeah. think what it is, is the fact that these are films that don't need to linger. Mm-hmm. They say they tell their story and it doesn't have to be like over long because like they and it gets the point across. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are our top five films that made us uncomfortable. Uh, luckily, we're comfortable with each other, so it was fun <laughs> right. to do this show. That's true. Right? Um, it was so nice to have Jay on and to work with Jay again. So, Jay, is there any promos you want to give about Kill the Cast? Or, I don't know, are you doing other stuff? I know you were doing, like, YouTube video reviews or something. We were doing, the, we, well, we had the Kill the Cast YouTube channel, and at one point, me and Jerry were both really active on it, and then we stopped uh, I blame my ADHD or possible autism on that one where I, I hyper-focus on something for a long time and then it's just done. And it yep. sucks because it's not what I want. It's just what my brain tells me I have to have. It happens with video games, which is the worst because I'll really be into a game and then all of a sudden my brain will be like, you're done. I'm like, no, but brain, we're not done. It's the game's not over yet. I want to finish it. I'm having fun. It's like, no, you're done. You need something new. I don't want to be done. I don't want something new. Nope, we got to go get something new. You're done now. I hate it. Um, I'm like 80 hours into this Japanese RPG that's like 120 hours long, and I want to finish it. I like the story. I like the gameplay. I like the characters. My brain has decided I'm done. So I'm currently playing Resident <laughs> Evil 8, trying to get through that before my brain decides we're done with that one. So you're racing against your brain, basically, yes. is what we're here yeah. to say. And so that's what happens with projects like this. Um, luckily, it's a lot easier when we have people uh, that do it with you. So if, like, if we, if Jerry never messaged me again, I'd probably be done podcasting on a regular basis. Like if he never said, Hey, we're doing the next episode soon. I don't think, I don't know if I'd ever, ever get back into it. So it's a lot easier when there's someone helping keep you accountable. But uh, with the YouTube stuff, we both just kind of stopped doing it. Well, I love your real talk, Jay. I love how you're yeah. no bullshit. I love it so much. I appreciate the hell out <laughs> oh of that. Oh my God. So one of my favorite people. Well, you can still check you out on Kill the Cast. Yeah, we're all on absolutely. Kill the Cast. So like, honestly, if you're listening to Friday Nightmares, you've probably seen the Kill the Cast feed because we're on the Kill the Cast feed. So yeah. please feel free to check out uh, Jay, Jerry, and Kenneth on all of their shows. They have amazing content and they're really funny. And as you can hear from today, Jay has a lot of knowledge to share. And he always brings brings the knowledge, brings the know-how. And Scott, do you have anything that you want to promote for us? Um, yeah, but before I do, I just want to say yeah, thank you very much, Jay, because yeah, oh, you are a blast. Yeah, you are one of my favorite people to like work with, like when we get a chance to. We've only done it a few times, but like I know we have a lot in common. And like this one, Heather brought up, like, hey, I want to bring Jay on for this top five uncomfortable films topic. I'm like, oh, he is definitely one that'd be perfect for it because I know he watches a lot of stuff too. So like I was very excited to have you on this. And yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Um, no, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, the stuff I will promote is we just finished recording our uh, Games and Horror uh, Friday Nightmares podcast episode to where we talk about films like Truth or Dare, Escape Room, and uh, Would You Rather. Uh, we just recorded that uh, actually yesterday. So Which you, Truth or Dare? Uh, the one on oh. Netflix and the Blumhouse one. Okay. Yeah, we made sure to talk I about like the one on Netflix. 2018. Yep. Yeah. We, I actually enjoyed the one on Netflix. That one was, I had fun with. I didn't, I, I, I guess I should say I didn't really like either of them. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, it'd be the Blumhouse one. I felt like, so I don't often feel like this cause I'm not one of those people who demands an R rating out of movies. Um, there's a lot of people who think that if a movie's not rated R, it's not horror. 
Um, I'm not one of those. I think you could make a really effective PG-13 horror movie because yep. the only the only advantage you get with with R is the ability to swear, show nudity, or be more graphic, and you don't need those things to make a good horror movie. Um, in fact, I believe that if you take some of the more famous franchises like Friday the 13th and were to have them re-rated today, a lot of them would come in at PG-13. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, this is one rare instance where I felt like had the movie been R and had all the deaths been more graphic, it would have been a better movie. The the Blumhouse Truth or Dare. You had a lot of really good setups and a lot of really cut quick cutaways. Um, but I think yeah. I've actually told Heather this in just a regular conversation before. Honestly, if Blumhouse were to make two different cuts of a film while they're while they're making them, which wouldn't take that much money extra, you just film extra scenes, make the theatrical the PG-13, and then every DVD release has the uncut version on it with extra graphic. You would yeah. you would hit both demographics. You'd get your teenagers who want to go see a horror movie in the theater who aren't old enough to pay for R-rated movie tickets yet, and you'd get all the people who were like, my horror has to be R on yeah. the home release side. Yeah, and because just truth or dare from them is one that I feel like would have been a lot better with like the, when the guy stabbed himself in the eye with a pen or the lady fell onto the fence if it was just more graphic <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can agree with that and yeah I, th- I like that idea though too with uh, Blumhouse doing both versions um, and but yeah like that was a very fun episode to do and I uh, we also have our uh, third episode of controllers up cards down the all-star gaming podcast which we'll eventually have to have Jay on yep I'll say that that is out now and uh, we will be working on our fourth episode here very soon um, and then, yep, of course, as always, we will always have be working on another new Patreon episode for Legion pa- Patreon page because we're always coming up with just some fun ideas like this. And we'll be uh, probably doing some more brainstorming to see what our next episode will be like. But and uh, as yeah. always, we'll release this to Patreon first and then eventually yep. release it to our regular feed. But at some point, we will no longer be releasing it to our regular feed. So if you like this show and you want to hear some other cool stuff from Legion, it's only $3 a month. Please join us. Join us. What's join our us. What's our logo? Uh, we uh, are we are Legion. We are many. Yeah, we are many. We are many. Many podcasts. Many great podcasts. Listen yes, to. exactly. And uh, yeah, you know, it's only three bucks a month, and every show is going to be releasing at least something, maybe just one thing a year, maybe more. We're doing it because we just have fun, like just doing these random like one offs for because it just doesn't fit with our main theme. So yeah, we'll continue to you'll continue to hear more from us as we do these things, and if, we'll have some more fun ideas, I'm sure, coming down the road. Or not fun, we'll see. Well, maybe just maybe. This, oh. I don't know if we could define this episode as fun. We had fun, but oh, yeah. fun. <laughs> we. I had fun talking about it. Prepping <laughs> for it, on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> but we'll see you guys next time. Thank you again to Jay and Scotty. What do you have to say to the good people? You're making me uncomfortable, Heather. Um, I'm so uncomfortable. Uh, um, unpleasant dreams. 